Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac show. I am uh, just back from vacation. I believe Damien also just back from vacation, right? Or still on or kind of what's the deal? Vacation from vacation. We took the kids to Disney. And if anyone's ever taken your children to Disney after you complete it, you got to go on an adult. So we're going to go on an adult vacation uh, tomorrow and Friday. Let's go, man. The, the wife and I went to, um, so we actually, we took a cruise and man, I went to, have you ever been to Belize? I haven't. Man, one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Like by far the, the vibe there, the feel, I'm definitely going back. Uh, but we spent a whole week with no phones at all. No wow. Wi-Fi. Like we shut everything off everything off no wi-fi at the places if there was nothing had no service whatsoever it was so nice Uh oh uh i'm I'm gonna check back in in 10 months 10 months (laughs) we're gonna do a check-in in in 10 months brother (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's go let's go all right, man. So uh, because of that, there's been a lot of news. We didn't do anything last week, so we're going to cover a bunch this week. Uh, first of all, we're going to get it started off with the recruiting news. July has been a massive month. Sooner fans in the know, folks in the know have kind of known that's coming. But Damien, it played out. The um, OU has ended up having a massive haul. We've talked about a lot of the guys, but today we're going to dial into the three new guys uh, we'll try and go relatively in order of the uh, the commitments, uh, but one that we mentioned, uh, maybe kind of mentioned, I might have edited that part out, um, but uh, back earlier in July was running back, now commitment, uh, Dalen Smothers, uh, somebody that I, I believe you were a particular fan of. Uh, Mackie, what are, the, what are the thoughts of what OU is adding to the backfield, man? Excited about this young man. Uh, you talk about a guy who this kid, his lateral quickness and explosion in the hole, it's it's what the game needs and how the game is played today. Right. You got guys with long speed, they run a 10-5. You have guys who are kind of like jitterbugs. I'd say like an Eric Gray who has he has a very explosive jump cut, but he isn't necessarily explosive through the hole. Right, this mother's kid, and, and he played against decent composition uh competition. Young man is is there's a term I like to use called playing big in the hole. And I'm not saying big as in a big target to hit, but big in a sense where he has forward lean and he's moving and it's and it's it's almost difficult to get your hands on him because he has a presence. Big big as in having a presence. And so I love it. I think his biggest attribute is is his lateral vision, uh lateral quickness and vision. The kid runs to daylight and he does it in a way where he's naturally setting up the blocks with his uh, his O-line, his tight ends, even the receivers when he gets to the edge and he gets to the open area like that is where you want running backs to be in this day and age. The beauty is, is on film, he runs away from the competition more often than not. I don't know that he's a four four, you know, two guy. 
But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, Barry, if 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 you know a, another year, um, obviously playing a season this fall and then coming in, I, he looks like a guy who could, when he gets in the open field, he can take it to the house. And so I think he's a guy who we could expect to have explosive runs, 20, 30, 40, 60, take it to the house type caliber runs. But man, he's he reminds me of the kid from Clemson three years ago, uh, Etienne. Yeah, Travis Etienne. Right? Yeah. Okay, where, interesting where he's comp. Not, he's not a huge, he's not huge, but do you, do you understand how that yeah. guy just played big in the whole, like, you never saw him get smacked backwards. He generally would deliver uh, a, a punch on the defense and just it was a, had a physicality to him where he wasn't necessarily a battering ram, but he was just had a presence. But Etienne is, 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 uh, is an example I like to use, but to me, and I used to hate this guy because he played for our arch rivals. But to me, he looks like a splitting, a splitting image of Jamal Charles, Texas, circa ten years ago, Ooh. where where the guy again, you know, five ten, maybe two oh five, two oh three, but just played bigger than he was, and always, always, always found the crease. I don't think he has Jamal Charles world class sprinter speed. Yeah, right. But man, I look at this young man and I'm like, and he's different than Barnes, right? He's different than Eric Gray. Like these are these are three different football players who all three have man, very high yield quality skill sets. But I look at some others and his potential off the charts. I, I firmly believe kid comes in, heads on strong. He can block. You know, he, he he caught the ball enough on film to say, okay, that's not a minus for him. But as much as Barnes is a kid who has a great forward lean and and is a and is a kid who's gonna push the pile and really he's gonna find daylight too, smothers, man. On film, he just his lateral quickness and his ability to be here, and then he's over there, and then he's on this hip of the guard, and then boom, he's on the outside hip of his receiver, and he pushes him inside, and then boom, darts to daylight. It it's 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 what makes him different than a lot of his counterparts. Really love the kid. I'm excited. To me, it seems like there's a purpose to not just chasing stars. You know, Barry, how many times do you see a four-star running back and you're like, oh, that kid looks like a hundred different running backs I've seen in a hundred different school districts? Seth McGowan. <laughs> yeah. No comment. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah. Um not even gonna go there. This kid has some it to him. Barnes has some it to him. Even even Sachuk, I you know, Sachuk's style is not my favorite, but I I I that kid has he has great long speed. You know, like yes, that's a kid yeah. where if he gets a crease, forget about it. Just everybody stop running. You know, your coach isn't going to get mad because, you know, you're not catching him. So I understand this deal. And um, I don't want to sound like a homer, but it, it reminds me of and we'll see. Right. These are we're talking about a, a a kid who's been on campus for four months in Barnes. We're talking about Smothers, who's got a senior year to play. And we got we're talking about Sachuk, who just got to campus maybe a couple weeks ago or maybe in June. Hopefully he came for the whole summer. But like this could be like a Florida Tebow backfield where you've got specialists, right? You've got your all do it all, Percy Harvin, right? And I think I think Smothers has some of that going for him. You've got uh, not a bruiser in in Barnes, but you got a you got a kid uh, who who has some lean to him, um, and then you got the home run threat and Sawchuck. Like 
I look at our running back room and I think we can both agree just maybe seven, eight months ago when Barnes and, and Sachuk were still kind of on the fence, we were like, dude, our running back room does not look good. The Ooh. outlook doesn't look good. And you're talking less than a year. You got dudes in that room. Like there are dudes. There are guys that some of them aren't going to pan out. We don't know which ones those are, but there are going to be two or three quality Joe Mixon, you know, uh, 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 Rodney Anderson. We're, we've got some guys that are going to really carry us into SEC football, carry us into the next couple of years. And I think some of those guys play early. This last thing, and I'll pass it back to you. And this is potential. I understand we're talking to potential, but I think that's the fun part of recruiting, right? Like we enjoy recruiting because there's always some new person to fawn over versus the, 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 the proven commodity we've seen on Saturdays. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And here's my example. We were so excited about it, or at least I was. I was excited about Eric Gray. I saw his Tennessee tape. I saw a kid stick his foot in the ground. I saw a kid, again, he kind of plays, he played big in the hole in Tennessee more than he did at for us last year. But we kind of know what we got now, right? Like, yeah. okay, we know Eric, he's got some, he, by the way, I think he's going to be a plus player for us. But to me, he's not a difference maker on the same uh, 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 category as as some of these guys were bringing in now. And that's no slight or shot to him. I'd say the same thing about myself. If you saw my film and then you saw Mark Clayton's film, I think most people would be excited about what Mark Clayton was going to be able to do coming in after after we did. But um, it's, set, it's a testament to our coaching. I know we're going to dive into this a little deeper here in a minute. It, I see a clear plan in many more positions than I saw a clear plan with the last regime. It seemed to me like stars and accolades were more important than getting dudes to to fulfill a specific you know job or task and kicking somebody's ass on offense and defense so man smothers i i think the kid i think the world the kid i think jamal charles is a great comp i think atn from uh from clemson is also a player that i think has some of the same striking attributes that he has and i foresee him being potentially an all-conference player for us well, and I think it's interesting. The ETN comp is is fascinating because ETN in high school, very much kind of similar to Smothers, physically did not look like a finished product yet, right? So, and and Smothers kind of that same deal. I think right now they've got him listed weighing one eighty five. Yeah. He plays even stronger than that, even for the high school level. There's some violence to the running style. What just cutting violently, not being afraid of contact. There, there's a lot of things that are sort of strikingly different in the type of player that they seem to be going after. And he also plays with a lot of lower body strength without, and granted, you're seeing film, sometimes it's tough to gauge, but without necessarily a lot of lower body girth yet. He kind of plays with a lot of very, very wiry strength, but he's really fluid in and out of cuts, as you've said, there's some cuts that he has on film where he's, he's in the open field um, and guys literally don't have a chance. He makes one little shoulder movement to the right and the guy's got five yards of room to try and go get him and 
guys look like they're standing in mud, which is what you want to see. Like if you're looking at a high school running back, which isn't necessarily like you really didn't see that with Kennedy Brooks film. He turned out to be a really great player, but you didn't necessarily see that. You saw more of a patient runner um, who was able to make guys miss, but play physical at the high school level and obviously translated well. And he broke off some stuff and he ran high four fives at the combine. And that was after a lot of training, but the guys that they're bringing in have more speed and burst than what Brooks brought and not necessarily, maybe not the vision and just the, the skill of the running back position. Um, and especially that last year, obviously Murray probably had a lot to do with that, getting a chance to get coached up by a guy like that, but a lot of direction. Uh, next guy I want to talk about, uh, they got him listed as an athlete, but likely playing linebacker or, or some, some type of, uh, something of that ilk in the BV system. Um, well, what the fans are going to say, Damien, is that he's listed at, what, six foot, about 200 pounds, but his running looks really good on film um, out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, what do you have to say about Lewis Carter? Yeah, so I'm looking, uh, and I got a cop that I, you know, but I watched film. And by the way, I spent a lot of time on on film with him today. When we when, when we got the commitment, I took a peek. I saw an athlete. Listen, you look at it from a bird's eye view. Great athlete. He's got hips. He he ran the ball at running back. So that tells you he's going to be fluid, uh, you know, chasing the ball. Um, he, he uses his hips and tackling, which means he's a thumper. He's going to knock people back. And I think those are attributes that you see in the linebacker we're recruiting today with with BV. And I, I don't think that's a knock on Odom or any of the other guys prior to, to coach. But again, it's very clear. Mm. You can't name one linebacker type that we've recruited since BV took over or that he kept even. And the kid he kept last year, man, I thought that kid was a stud. Um, what's the kid we were recruiting? McKenzie? Kip Lewis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lewis. He felt Kip like Lewis. a BV Dude, linebacker. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so I'm looking at Lewis Carter. And so obviously you look at, you You know, I went through and looked at, you know, 24-7 Rivals. Obviously, shout out to Rivals. That's family. I'm looking at all the different, you know, the the, the recruiting services and three-star, four-star, you know, low four-star, high three-star. You know, so I'm like, okay, he's going to be a run-of-the-mill kind of a guy. Barry, I'm looking at film. And again, obviously he doesn't have the four or five star measurables. I got it. And he he doesn't, you know, he's not an above everyone else freak, which may be okay. He's a little small in size, or maybe he's he's, you know, I think he's a three star because they're wondering what position he plays. He's just not like a boom, a Willie Backer. Boom. He's a he's a Mike Backer. Boom. You know, but man, you turn the film on. It, it just reminds me like, wow, Brent has a plan. Coach BV has a very clear plan. And, and I, I'll, I'll jump into that once we kind of conclude this portion. But the kid, um, I don't know about a lot of other people. I don't mind the three stars that we already know are football players. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that guy's a football player. And what I mean by that is, let's just say we have some guys on our team. I won't use their names in this example, but we had some guys who would come in and they were project players. We had a kid who 
high jump six eight. So we know he's a he's a plus athlete. Um, he was wiry. He he, he was going to be a safety type. Um, but anyway, in four years, he just never gained weight, and he was never a factor. You know, in terms of being a player on Saturdays, good guy. In fact, we're still in, we're still in touch with each other. But there was always the question of like, where does he fit in? Fit in from a football perspective. We understood the ceiling, right? Like, man, if he fills out with his athleticism and Duke could jump out the room, smartest, smart guy. I think he got his degree. He got a, he got a real degree. He didn't get a basketball even degree. But we would kind of be in practice and we were like, huh, that guy's not really a football player. Uh, that guy's more an athlete than a ball player. I look at film and Lewis Carter is a dog. Like, we're not going to have to worry about is he scraping the B gap, beating the backside guard, getting ripping through. Is he going to get his head across and knock the running back backwards? Or is he just going to lean and hope his play side shoulder gets him? And that's how you get ran through and, and they run through you and, 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 and get to the next level. Mm. That ain't happening. So I look at him and I say, number one, if I'm BV and I'm, you know, obviously I'm trying to go in, in, in Ted Roof's head and, and BV's head. I'm saying, okay, this is a kid where if his body matures and he has a frame to put on 20 pounds, I think in the next yeah. two and a half years, right? He puts on 20 pounds. We've got another quality Willie backer. This guy can play Willie backer. He can play opposite the tight end and go have at it. But if he doesn't, gosh, dang it. He'd make a good overhang. He'd mm. make a good nickel back. He, he, by the way, you know who he, and this is not my comp. I don't want people, you know, this is, I, this is a sacred relationship to me, but he's about the size Roy was in high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's about Roy's size in high school. And Roy, by the way, Roy played corner for us. Don't ask me how, I don't even ask. Like, that's a whole nother thing. I got to get Roy on here and let him, and, and we can kind of share that story. But he, Roy was six one ish. Roy was 192, 199-ish, and he hit like a mat truck. On film, He, you just knew if you get this kid uh, uh, into a college program, he's going to make plays. And when we got to OU, they tried him all over the place. And then, of course, BV is the one who said, hey, I got to tell you, Mike, he's going to be 10 times better for our defense not playing high safety. We need to stick him in the hole. And when we put Roy in the hole, and obviously, regardless of coverage, Roy played in the hole. So Roy played nickel, Roy played dime, Roy played, uh, I forgot what they called the other six back, but it didn't matter. The, the formation was named after the player, but Roy never moved. <laughs> Roy stayed in the hole in that defense. I look at Lewis Carter and I'm like, he's probably a 4-6-2 guy today, 4-6-3, 4-6-4, which is, which is about where he needs to be. When he plays running back, he can, he can run away from defenses, right? So I'd say he's a 4-6 guy, but man, in traffic, in the game, in the mess, he reads angles well, he reads cut back well, watches film. He's a guy who won't get his hips in this position where he's chasing too far upfield. If he's kind of behind the play, he settles, 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 boom, explodes. Everybody can't do that. So three-star kid. Uh, my comp is Rufus. 
Rufus was a backer for us who played much bigger than his composition. Rufus played a, a, with a lot of passion. I would say you could say he was he was generally undersized, especially coming right after Torrance and Rocky and Teddy and those guys. You got 245-pound thoroughbreds. And then Rufus is probably 225 initially and, and gained some weight. Yeah. Um, but he played aggressive, and he was a smart ball player. I don't know this kid's grades. But I know from an IQ standpoint on the field, Lewis Carter is a football player. And and I think that's one of the philosophies. I don't think it 100% for sure is one of the philosophies that I can tell distinctly differentiates uh, the way Coach BV is recruiting his team versus, uh, you know, my man's out West and, and, and SoCal. And here's what it does be. Lewis Carter may end up being a scout guy. Like let, let's let's play let's let's be honest too. Lewis Carter might come in, be a team guy, run on run down the field on kickoff. But if the day comes where we have uh knock on wood, an ACL tear, and then right, a kid suspended, our third teamer is Lewis Carter. And what do we already know about Lewis Carter? He's a football player. Yeah. That's the part that people miss. And that's what he's going to bring to the table. I think he has the potential to potentially be a starter sometime down the road, depending on how we recruit in the, in the seasons to come. But regardless, he's not going to be like the guy who I said I played with, who came in with loads of potential and a high ceiling and just could never get about, get, get above 180. You know, he's 6'3 and, and 176. Sorry, bro, but I'm all up in your ass on stock blocking and I'm running by you because you're a four, you know, you're a four, six, three guy and I'm a four, five, two, four, four, eight guy. I'm just going to relieve you. And, yeah. and he could never see the field. So the, here's the question, because I th- one of the things that was a knock and I don't want to talk too much about old regime, but in this particular case, it's kind of germane um, when it comes to physicality. You, obviously, you want to recruit really good athletes, but certain coaches in their recruiting style tend to favor certain attributes. Uh, felt like previous staff really liked guys who were were long, had documented speed, all that good stuff. But when you looked at the film, there there oftentimes was a, a lack of physicality or, as you, you say, just that football player to them. There, there's there's a fear of contact or maybe not even a fear as much as just not an active not actively seeking out the right type of contact that is necessary to make said play so if a guy is not showcasing that to the level that is necessary at the college game particularly at the d1 game is there anything that can happen let's say you do recruit that guy right? What is the likelihood that somebody who's not showcasing the necessary football acumen or the physicality or violence needed at the high school game, what is the likelihood that they can manage to do that once they get on campus at OU? Man, uh, anecdotally speaking, give me a second here because I'm actually going to do like a, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack an archive in my head. Because what you don't know, B, is we were analysts. I got to tell you. And I'm like, damn, it's crazy. <laughs> we would, every recruiting class, and you know, your freshman year, you're kind of like, ooh. So 99, we all play. And by the way, I'm a DB, Kurt's a DB, uh, 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 Wolf Oaks a DB, Jay Norm's a tight, or was a running back. 
Uh, but Trent was a Trent was a tight end, and then Savo comes in, right? So that ninety nine year raw freshman Savo is a true freshman raw redshirt freshman. And then the next year, I, like I told you guys before, we got Perk and, and MC and those guys coming in. So that year, we were kind of like, yo, they trying to come take our spot. right? So there's a certain level of like, you know what I'm saying? You're checking your comp. Yeah. And so we pay close attention to them. Well, the next year, we win the national championship, and those guys are red shirt. And, they're, and they they are, by the way, studs. Perk obviously goes to defense. Telly Oak dealt with some injuries early on. And then, and then MC and Willie P did really well. But we're big bros now. We're national champions. We're entrenched starters. You know what I mean? You, there isn't a kid coming in generally who's just going to come in and take our spots at that point, being two-year starters. So we're going into 2021, and now it's more like a mentor-mentee relationship. But to your question, we analyzed everybody. And I would generally say, one, the first the first filter was was summer workouts. And, and here's how it generally went. I'd say 20% of the guys. Okay, let me let me take it even a step further. About every every recruiting class, let's just say there's 20 guys to make the numbers round. 20% of those guys would come to the freshman, uh, Barry the freshman. 20% or four would come, do a workout with us, and not come back until August. <laughs> wow. Right? And okay. of those four, I don't know, I would say less than 10% stuck. Okay, mm. so so there's that part. Then you got 16. So I leave 16. Of the 16, they came and stayed, but during workouts, they never like progressed. Does that make sense? Yeah. The freshmen come, they, you know, and, and by the way, like I said, it's probably the top 10% came every day and made every time. It, it wasn't a lot. It, it, seriously, some guys legitimately have to leave for a day, this, that, right? There was some legitimate stuff, Smitty didn't care. You still got a minus for the day, but of the puppies, 16 would come and I'd say probably 50%. They just never made their times. And then there were 50%. Willie P comes to mind. Will Peoples came in and more so than Perk and MC. And I think, like I said, I think Atelio came in at the very end of summer. Willie P came in and was making times with us. Right. So that's a separate oh, filter. Man. Yeah. That's a separate filter. Right. Hold on. This kid, one, he's no punk. And then two, like, yo, he 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 has the athleticism and, and the kind of the dog in him to finish a Schmitty workout. And like Willie got some some kudos. And then the third filter was fall camp. Right. You got some guys who come in and they can do the summer stuff because they're track guys or they're soccer guys or whatever. They 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 have some attributes that help them with the running and lifting. But then there's the Yo, bro, we about to put on these pads. <laughs> and I don't know how y'all do it over there, <laughs> but over here we hit. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. was just, hey, bro, we're gonna hit. I'm just letting y'all know. First day of two days, man. I gotta I gotta get into some stories about two days. But it was it was generally known first day of padded practice, two days. Like the, the DBs would come to us and, and and have a beef. So we were like, okay, after that first year, we gotta come to them with a beef. Like we we would come like, hey, bro, one-on-ones, it's on. Like hands on a day. Like we literally would have that and you could see people cower. Boom. There's the third filter. Ooh. And again, I won't say names. Sure. But you see people like, ah, the pads come on and now you a punk, you a poodle, right? Like we would call them poodles. That was a, that was a term we used. So back to your question, you, you, you get these guys coming in and you're like, well, you know, who's the ball players before you ever get to that week zero. Right, but Bob would always talk about week zero. You know, 
which guys punked out, came to a workout, and never came back. You know which guys stuck it out because maybe whatever, right? For whatever reason, but they never really like stepped up. And then you know which guys, when we put the pads on, they shied to the back. They always like they always had a turned ankle. Like, bro, your ankle turned again, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what kind of tape are they giving you, man? What's going on here? And 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 um with respect to 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 the to the new uh cohorts of recruits coming in every year, that first year, I can't think of Barry made I don't know if I can think of like five guys who went through a renaissance and then all of a sudden they remade themselves. By the way, MC's probably one. MC, remember he told his story, he mentally was, you know, MC was severely underdeveloped number one yeah and mentally he wasn't prepared for what he got himself into but i can't think of a lot barry i don't i don't know that there is a translatable percentage that would say hey we can expect 30 to 40 percent of these kids who may be not natural ball players or the word i wanted to use when you were saying that is impose and football is a game where you need to impose by the way offense and defense if you don't impose, you better be prepared for the other person to impose. There that, is yeah. a lot of translation there, Barry. I, I am, and I can only speak for me. Maybe other guys had better, you know, Schmitty does his stuff one way. Bob did his stuff one way, but it was championship. You know what I'm saying? We, it, it translates to championships. There weren't a ton of guys who they came in. Again, I, I want to say my buddy's name so bad, but I won't. But like we saw in a week, like, ooh, he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he don't got COD. He can't, he can't. If I run a post corner, it's a wrap. If I run a post dig, it's a wrap. If I give him a little juice and a curl, it is a wrap. He can't get out of his hips. That guy never was able to get out of his hips. Or, ooh, the receiver came in running a 4-7-4. Okay, maybe a 4-6-3. But he ran a 4-7-4. Bro, you're never going to be, you know, you're yeah. never going to be fast enough to... Right. We didn't have a bunch of four sevens turn to four fours. We didn't have a bunch of backers who came in and were stiff hipped. And if we ran anything in space as a freshman, they couldn't get there. But then as a junior, they could like it. We, we generally recruited another guy who could. And that guy got those reps. So that's why. And you're kind of taking me to where I was wanting to go at the end of this, this portion. I like seeing guys similarly athletically built and similarly aggressive who are coming back to back to back because i think we can both agree you tell me if you see this different i don't think there's ever been an issue sometimes there were but most often we haven't had an issue with top line talent no right? you go recruit no. enough four stars those four there's you're gonna have some guys who can play ball but i yeah. always feel like we're one you know we're one injury away from ooh. That guy has this huge minus. Ooh, that guy is not athletically there, or this guy is not physical enough, or his awareness. That's a huge part of football. Their football awareness. You just see a glaring issue where guys just miss their gap at backer, or safeties fall for a stupid action, like a dumb action. Like, you fell for that action, bro? Like, you're the deep, you have deep third. You know, we yell at the TV, we're armchair quarterbacks, or whatever, armchair D coordinators. OU hasn't developed that. And I think there's a track record. No, I don't think there is one. BV did it at Clemson. By the way, do you remember the term Clemsoning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Davo hated it. 
<laughs> Clemsoning was a term that was generally used about Clemson because they're going to find a way to screw up, mess up, do some ignorant that they had no business doing. Well, you didn't see that term much anymore once Dabble got things rolling and BV became the, the DC. Why? Because he had quality guys backing up quality guys backing up quality guys. To your question, I know I went in a long circle, but I hope the analogy made sense. Generally, you see a guy come and they're missing something or there's a hole in their game. I didn't see a lot of guys who came with a hole and then new recruiting classes kept coming and they were able to like accelerate past people who didn't have that that same hole. Generally, they didn't play. Yeah, and then that was the question. But basically, it's if if a guy sort of is what if a guy is showing something on film at the high school level and i think it's fair to say that you should not be shocked let's say if it's a lack of sort of the ability to impose your will um and there was with some not with everybody but with some of the 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 past classes you would see that and even uh more of the recruiting analysts would say great athlete long great speed um shows generally good instincts but you know doesn't have this or that and typically it related in some way to physicality which actually great segue to our uh, last guy and i really want to get your take on him the most recent commitment uh for oklahoma um so much focus on the defensive side of the ball no longer do you see this balance of of power that's so shifted to the offensive side there's excitement for the guys they're bringing in on defense and as you said there seems to be a planned uh plan but Josiah Wagner uh what is your take defensive back listed 511 170 four star um well, what what do you have to say about him um so by the way uh excited about him and I'm going to go a different direction most people probably I don't know my assessment may not um equate to what other people have to say about him so i watched a lot of film he has a lot of like seven on stuff you can go and and really see like he played on some traveling teams and stuff and i, and I think that stuff's pretty important when it comes to a db on film um kid at, at, at actually playing 11 11 stud he is going to be a good fixture in a system to me he is a system cornerback i I see him, and, and this is an OG comparable, but to me, he looks like Rondé Barber. He looks like a, a Tampa 2 corner. By the way, we were talking off camera, and I told you I was going to bring Tampa 2 up today. But to me, um, listen, there's two rules of thumb when it comes to DB. One is kind of the, I guess I'll use today. For me, it would have been Dion, but I guess I could use like a Jalen. Actually, I won't use Jalen Ramsey because he does both. I'll mm-hmm. use Dion. Dion played the position of cornerback on an island, man on man. My eyes are on you. I'm going to blanket cover you, right? Like that was Dion's, that was Dion's um, MO. And then at that same time, Rod Woodson was an all pro corner as well. Well, he was, he could do that, but he was much more, much more impactful with his eyes in the backfield, disguising coverage, playing off, coming up and, and filling the alley. He could, he could hit like a safety. He could run with you. He, he was really good. Not with his eyes on the man, but his eyes on the ball. Rod Woodson was an eyes on the ball caliber cor- or type of corner. 
And of course, uh, Tampa Bay in, in the early 2000s, they created the Tampa two defense. And, and essentially, they always lined up in a shell cover two and, and they, they would disguise coverage. To me, this kid, like that is his home. I don't think I don't think we use him correctly if we line him up against the split in opposite the, the strength and say, hey, dude, just lock down this half of the field, you know. We may, you know, tease the safety to your side of the field as needed, but otherwise you got it. I don't think that's his game. This kid strikes me as a um, playing in the hole, playing five yards off. The quarter, the quarterback doesn't know if he's man or in coverage. The quarter doesn't know if he's got deep responsibility, if he's playing the flats and, and, and jumping on the inside cut stuff. He is a kid who, to me, seems like being in the mix is gonna is going to be a good time for him. And so, you know, I, I look at him and I watch his eyes and he's around the football and he's not jumping double moves. If you, if you watch these um, seven on seven deals, I, I wanted to watch a lot of film on that aspect of him yeah. because on seven on seven, you can make a routes, right? Like they'll, they'll do junk routes all day. Not in the sense of just whirly bird this way, but like literally junk routes. Like you don't have time to run a post corner post corner, uh, a curl in a real game, but you have time to do that in, in seven on. And I'm watching the kid Barry. And when I tell you people are zigging and zagging and boom, flip the hips, boom, flip the hips. And I'm looking, his eyes are back on the football. Like he's, he's not just, okay, I got to watch the open hip or I got to watch the play side hip. Nah, the kid has faith in his hips and eyes are up. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. You know, they show three or four plays. He catches a pick. I think he has a one handed pick. Ooh, and then you show on the you throw you throw on the film and you can see him cock that four, cock that six, boom, you know, ball to the flats. He's flying, bam, subbing the subbing the ball carrier, the receiver, bam, coming in the alley. I'm like, oh, this kid plays physical. But I didn't see a bunch of him locked up. Somebody's running a fade, somebody's running a post. There isn't much help over the top. And so I look at him and I say, okay, I don't know if he's gonna be um a field corner. And be on the wide side of the field. And hey, dude, my football measurables, my speed, my athleticism is going to lock you up. But boundary corner, I think he has uh, a high potential there or situational slot corner. Interesting. Yeah, he one of the things that so I'm so glad we were kind of on the same page here because I I thought the exact same thing. You mentioned kind of eyes in the backfield, trusting his body. One of the things that I, I love looking at when it comes to how would you quantify what he's doing from a performance standpoint is economy of movement. And whenever you are watching the the guys who are better than everybody else and the guys who are probably going to be able to get to the D1 game and be a part of a two deep, a substantial part of a two deep of, of a great team. Whenever you go watch their film, there is a, a level of e- economy of movement where what I mean is you talk about the one handed pick. I think he, in, within that whole play, I don't think he took more than five or six steps, period. Easy. He, so, that shows you that there's trust in his explosiveness. There's there's trust in his eyes. The guy is gauging space well. He understands where he is at on the field. And coaches that, that have seen 
guys do it before that have translated to the D1 level, they're, they're watching this, maybe not in that exact way. That's a little more of a kind of a performance way to look at it. But he is so, he, he moves so easily. As you said, maybe doesn't have the length or the specific measurables to be that guy stuck out on an island, right? When you get down to the analytics of it, there's just so much space to cover that against the top wide receivers in any league, but Big 12 has had good receiving talent um, at almost every school. You've got to be the elite, especially today, you have to be the elite of the elite in that area to lock down anybody. But every position is important. I want to ask you before we kind of wrap up recruiting, because we've talked about it just a little bit, your opinion, and I know this is kind of subjective, but to field a championship defense, right? So when fans, let me backtrack, when when fans, analysts look at a recruiting cycle, they look at the commitment list, a lot of times there, there is a hope or uh, that, that everyone on that list, there is a, a wishful thinking that everyone on that commitment list is going to pan out into a superstar. We know that that's not the case, right? Just reality tells us that the odds of that happening are very slim to none. You'll have scout team guys. You'll have guys who are in the two deep or in the three deep, but they don't play really a substantial role in the game or whatever the case may be. They're special teams guys. When it comes to fielding a national championship level defense, something that OU wants to see the fans, team program wants to see fielded how many if any superstars elite level difference makers would you say you need and maybe even go a bit further and tell me at at what levels right where is it most important to have that guy how many of those do you need for there to be a legitimate shot for an oklahoma to get up against the Georgias and the Bamas and the LSUs when they're rolling and and be able to withstand that onslaught of just nasty offensive uh, talent that some of the teams are rolling out? Man, great question. A uh, couple things. It's changed. When I played your best ball players, you, you, needed, you needed linemen, but obviously we did not have a special, 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 special lineman in 2000. We got one in 2001 in Tommy Harris. But in 2000, we just had tough, strong, cock diesel Sooners. But gosh dang, outside of those guys, just this this list of names was behind those four D linemen. Rocky Thomas, Buckus, Torrance Marshall, Freaking Nature, Roy Williams, every defensive accolade you could think of, Derek Strait, but, uh, 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 Jim Thorpe. Michael Mike Mike T got hurt. He he and Derek Strait were it was arguable who was a better corner. JT Thatcher, all American, Ante Jones, ridiculous stud. Like that was uh, how many of those guys were special? I mean, JT was number two in the nation and 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 takeaways. Roy, 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 Rocky, and D Strait are national award winners. I mean, so that the numbers is four plus. If you if you made me say find a team that didn't have four, I don't I don't I don't know if you find one. You mm-hmm. need to have four. 
But in today's football, because the game is so much more open and played like basketball and, and the rules are have switched to really just giving every offense every advantage there is available, you got to – like if you don't have D linemen in today's game, forget about it. Because if you can't put pressure on the quarterback and take him off schedule, offenses are so dialed in. There's so many adjustments that happen now in today's game. You need somebody to just whoop their guy's ass and take that quarterback off schedule. Otherwise, a Texas Tech will kick your behind. Otherwise, a Minnesota will kick your behind. I don't know about a Minnesota, but my point is teams who have a philosophy on offense that works. I mean, think about that Georgia, that Georgia team that lost to Utah. You remember that about yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah. Right. Think about the Oregon State team around the years when I was playing, when they had Chad and those guys. And I mean, they just beat everybody up. Like they were just thugs. Like we're tougher than you. Like you think about some of these teams. If I think about Boise State, no, you unfortunately, unfortunately, right? Unfor those are the days that really pissed me off. So when I look at that number, I say, okay, in 2022, I better have at least one on the D line. And by the way, for the Sooner Nation, I think that's the question mark and why we're not a top five team in the country, per se. I think we're six on most most publications. It's because in 2022, like, who's our dude? I mean, hopefully Redmond comes and stays healthy and, and takes the next step. Right. I love Downs and Grimes. I think I think both of those guys are play on Sunday DNs, but no one on this team has proven it. And that's a problem in today's game. Whereas Georgia and Alabama, not only do they have proof of concept, but they also have proof of recruiting of, you know, years of five stars being backups and having quality depth. So I'm looking at Barry, it's just a very general answer four plus four plus. And if you think about those Bamas, you think about Georgia's team last year, I think like five of their four of their dudes went first round. Like if that ain't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and the best player went second round, the middle backer who's a little undersized. He is a freaking dude. And I think he went second round last year. He wasn't included in that number, but you, you, you got to have them and you got to have them more than you need them on offense. You need a left. You need, you need a strong old line. So your quarterback can be protected. You'd love to have a difference maker at receiver, but it's not 1000% necessary. You definitely don't need a difference maker at running back. Like you did 15 years ago. I'd say receiver is more important. And I would even say a mismatch in the hole where you've got a, a an Andrews, um, you know, or Shockey kind of a, you know, a Kevin Kellen Winslow Jr. I know I'm using some OGs here, but you got a tight end who is a mismatch is a huge weapon in college football in this day and age. Um, but you, you can't have one or two, man. Even if it's your quarterback, even if it's a three tech, you got a three tech who's a difference maker and they're by themselves. You could still go two and two and eight. Teams will spread you out. They'll quick game you to death. They'll screen you to death, and then they'll pump and go your your, your secondary when they bite up. I mean, it, it's just a it's formulaic, dude. Like it's it. They know your guys are gonna get tired of giving up six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, six, seven. Boom, pump and go, touchdown. So, man, I think we're on the right track with the depth that we're getting. Yeah, I want want to ask you, um, with where OU sits in the recruiting, do you think with this staff? There is going to be a lot of late commitments, or do you think this is going to be one of those deals where commitment day, with how they do things, you're not going to see quite as much of that? Uh, my man, you read my mind. I wrote down some notes for myself. You, you know, you were asking me about the month of July and, and some of the 
What are, what are the thoughts? And I said, hey, man, I got three takeaways. So number one, philosophically, um, I like BV's approach to uh, someone said it, but essentially we're not in, we're not thirsty. OU doesn't have to be thirsty anymore. You don't want to commit today. In fact, I don't want you to commit today. Go take your trips. Go see what else is out there. You're going to see that there's value here. Right. And then number two, we talked about this, uh, talking about the three players. 100%. I don't see one kid who's not a football player. The Nebraska kid, the Colorado kid. I mean, you've got these kids and, and they're quote unquote diamonds in the rush. Yeah. But the one part we don't have to worry about, they play football. They play with forward movement. They play with lean. They play with assertiveness. They impose. All of the film that you watch on this group of kids, there isn't one where you're like, oh, he's got high potential, but he's got this thing he's missing. But the third one, which identifies exactly what you're talking about, I think the Sooner Nation is starting to feel a little bit better about knowing there's more than one way to skin a cat. We got accustomed to, let's just be honest, right? Uh, um, you know, Link comes in and all of a sudden, a year in advance, we're getting this five-star quarterback. And then once he comes in, he's bringing in these five-star receivers and, you know, six, seven, eight months out of, you know, even early signing period, we know we've got two five stars in the books. And with those five stars, we're hoping they create momentum on defense or in the old line and D line or whatever, what have you. And we we felt good about it. We've had good classes doing it. Like I can't that part I won't necessarily hate, except to say that there wasn't, in my opinion, a clear plan. We were just hoping momentum would carry us to where we went. But Barry, this one. Right. It's July. So we've got what five months till sign early signing period in yeah. December. I think the fans in Oklahoma are now starting to better understand, like, well, wait a minute. We are OU. The brand does mean something. We don't necessarily need to be front runners and hope kids jump early. And then we 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 pray and hold on for dear life and 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 hope that they will stick to the end and not decommit. We had the kid decommit, and I, and it's not ironic that he was the kid who committed very early, the, the receiver who ended up committing to Oregon. Yeah. But aside from him, we're not even hearing a lot of rumblings about, about decommits. Like, I just remember years, every year, all recruiting season. For instance, we get C.D. Lamb. What happens to C.D. Lamb? He decommits, and then we get him again. Yeah. We get Weiss. What happens to Weiss? He decommits, and now we end up getting him again, right? So there's there's stories of kids from yesteryear where we get on a commit extremely early. They don't really know the culture, right? They saw some Lambos, right? They saw some Jordans, right? I don't know. Link's offense seems and feels like a video game. It's an emotional, it's an emotional commitment. And then they go home. They see a couple other campuses. They might see culture. Their parents might like the additional structure. The parents Their parents are important. Might see there's programs in place like a soul mission. Mm. And all that glitz and glam at OU is kind of worn off. And their family's like, well, wait a minute. We're making a decision for the next three to five years. There's more to it than just the glitz, the glam, the video games, and the, and the Lambos. I kind of, I think, I hope, and I'm speaking for me, this is kind of sexy. Like, wait a minute. We just got in PJ. And, and 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 we just got in Smothers and we and Josiah and and, and, Clark, and Carter like these guys have been through recruiting much longer than oh it was my first trip and oh you had Lambos and said we get to wear Jays and you know whatever no these guys have been on the trail right like think about it proof of concept hasn't happened yet true or untrue 
Not it's untrue. There's it's the, the, untrue. The, untrue. But don't you feel better about knowing these guys have been on other campuses or that they saw OU for the first time months ago and then have come back multiple times and, and they and you get the general sense they know what they're getting themselves into now. There there's better buy-in early. Right? There's better there's better buy-in. I and I don't know. We'll see, right? Who knows? Half the class may decommit. We don't, so we don't know, but I feel better having now seeing the way BV has unveiled the way they're doing their recruiting. And I'm like, damn, you know what? It actually kind of does make sense to let these kids test the water and go back to what he said. I see so many people say, oh, I hate that whole thing. A commitment is a commitment. Yeah, but kind of the way we're doing it, we're in a good place. I think we're, you know, on average between eight and 11 in our class right now. And they all seem solid. Like, we don't have rumors of, oh, Johnny wants to go see this. Tyrone wants to go see that. We kind of have guys who are like, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm 100%. Yep. I, I went through the process. I saw this thing through. And then I think about it. Like, that's how Bama typically does it. I, I hate to use this as a case study, Barry, because I loved, I loathe giving them props. I, I generally like to make fun of them. But, like, A&M didn't fill up. You know, the first month of recruiting last year, they had one of the historically best classes and they closed out strong Ooh. as hell. Yep. They and Bama generally closes out strong as hell. The Pete Carroll days of USC, they closed out strong as hell, right? And those are the guys who are getting the blue chippers. Now, Ohio State generally fills up early. So they've kind of got their philosophy. But I, I'm looking at what we're doing, and you, you literally, I literally was gonna bring this up anyway. But I'm, I'll be very interested to see the number of decommits with this philosophy versus the other philosophy. And then also the second half of this recruiting season going into season. Here's what I'm going to look forward to. When was the last time we were able to say, and, and if you know the answer, please say it. When's the last time we were able to say, hey, bro, uh, 5.9, four star. You better hurry up, bro. We're filling up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you see all this momentum happening. Like, dude, if 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 you know, we've got you know, we've got two more D linemen, and we've got four six, you know, four six point oh four stars that we're looking at, and and then we only can take two of you guys. Like, I remember in the early two thousands when Bob used to implement that. Well, like, and and in this in this staff with that philosophy, when they tell a recruit that, like, hey, we're they are legitimately filling up. There is not this general thought process that if i just you know hang on for a little bit they're going to have three or three or four decommitments within the first you know within the couple weeks leading up to signing day right there when that is your general philosophy from start to finish right from from the moment you meet that recruit from the moment that relationship starts where once you commit and if if all parties are aware of this that makes that statement that dialogue that much stronger because they know that is a legitimate i won't say threat but yeah. it is a legitimate promise that if you don't hop on the wagon we will have someone who does and once they do they're in yeah man it, i I'm excited about it because I was a little concerned if we could recruit the caliber of player. And you said something a couple minutes back 
it's not just a five-star quarterback and three five-star receivers and maybe a high four-star running back and maybe a four-star lineman that is propping our our class up to say, ooh, we're competing with the big boys. But when you really do a deep dive, right, we took our plan C backer. We took four, you know, B, like like run-of-the-mill DBs. Like, oh, they all look cool, but none of them have a distinct difference maker uh, uh, attribute that you can, it just pops off on film. This class... I don't know. We close out this D-line the way we started. Dude, probably the best D-line in terms of sheer ability. I don't know in over a decade. I, I actually, I haven't gone back and I, I'm an, I'm the guy who's going to do it. I'll go back and do it now. Like, I don't know. We get the Renard kid. God, we get Hicks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, bro. Like, we... <laughs> And this is year one, no proof of concept. Barry, imagine we go 11 and one. Screw that. Imagine we go 12 and 0 and we're in conference championship um, or after the conference championship. And, you know, our defense is tackling well in space. We're playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage and we, and we take quarterbacks off schedule. I'm just telling you, it, it's going to get worse in the year, in the, in the classes to come. If and when we do that this season, recruiting is going to get even simpler. And now we'll have culture behind us. We won't just have, you know, glitter and gold. See, see, your boy TW, uh, let me call him Link. Your boy Link won with, with glitz and glam, glitter and gold. We win with culture. It's going to be a hard sell to tell parents they don't want their kids to go to a place where they know they're going to be protected. They know they're going to win. And there's real genuine grown man culture. So my son will come back a man. Yeah, I'm just telling you, parents are going to be all over that concept. And the way they're doing it right now with no proof of concept, Barry, we go out and win 10, 11 games. You know, BV proves to the national media was, by the way, so disrespectful. So disrespectful. Yeah, I don't even want to go there. We could do a whole episode on that. Goes out and proves to the national media that he knows a little something about winning. I mean, I don't know how many championships he's won and championships he's been in. I think we're just going to all forget that the guy just has won his entire career, including K-State, by the way. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, so... I'm excited about it. I think recruiting, I like this concept. I liked, by the way, I liked Link's concept. It was fun to be, you know, a year out and we've already got our quarterback recruiting for us. And that, that was fun, but you know, it was kind of artificial and it kind of, it kind of led to the roots of who he was and is as a man. Kind of artificial. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, it's exciting. Still need to wait and see everything play out. There's obviously like right now everything is still very hopeful, but I, I feel like the the hope is a little bit different because it's it's heavily rooted in the fact that we've seen as fans, as former players, as current players, we've seen what programs win and what they are doing. And we knew beforehand when it came to culture. A commitment being a commitment, bringing in the right guys, bringing in football players, bringing in the 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 right stars who are the right fit, right? We've we've seen what the top programs do, and what we see from afar and some from inside is that what BV has managed to do is bring some of that to Oklahoma. 
the, you would almost have to say for what OU needed to be as a program, as a as a an athletic department, a university as a whole for the football program to take that next level, would you say, and this will kind of throw us into our next topic, you would say that they are closer to being in that Georgia-Alabama framework now from an infrastructure um, plan standpoint than they were a year ago? Yes and no. Okay. And in October, asked me the same question. Asked me the week after Texas, and I'll be able to give a definitive. And the only reason I say that is because worst case scenario, we come out the gate slow and right, we aren't where we think we are on the like the actual on the field presence. I don't think we have the luxury of a of a Texas who can stink and go five and seven and people still want to go there. I think Oklahoma's tradition is based upon winning and excellence. And so that's the expectation that will be needed. Um, you brought up infrastructure and plan. I think those are already ahead of the game. The problem is those are dependent variables that are uh dependent upon play on the field justifying their working and so once the play on the field we come out the gates we're four and oh going into texas we beat them by half a hundred shout out to uh my boy my my my, uh, my coach's coach barry switzer and yeah then we're we're, we're cooking with fish grease uh, by the way we're, we're we're one recruiting i don't care what list other people say what they want to say that's cool we're one recruiting cycle away at the caliber we need to be at with the infrastructure that the plan and infrastructure we have, we're one recruiting cycle away from competing with those guys front line. Clemson beat Bama with infrastructure and front line five-star talent the first time. They had the right stars and the right places and they had a season with not a bunch of injuries. The second time, they think they, they improve their depth. Mm -hmm. Give us one more year of, of of recruiting football players and, and we get lucky and get keep some guys healthy. We get lucky and maybe a guy or two who could potentially be a fringe second, third round pick. But as a college stud comes back, I'm, I, I firmly believe 23 season, assuming DG comes back, we need we need we need deal to come back. We need a quarterback. We, we don't want to be breaking in a new queue. Yeah, you can play with any of those guys. Like it's it that's it's not a huge swing. We're not walking around with six three, you know, two hundred and ninety two pound left tackles with short arms. We just need the two studs we have to stay healthy and 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 incrementally improve. We're not walking around with you know God, you know, I don't want to you know all of our DBs aren't five ten with short arms. <laughs> We kind of—I'm not gonna be right. I'm not gonna make, but, but like we—we kind of got some guys who've got, you know, what I'm saying the physical attributes that can go line up against a Bama receiver, and if in the right plan, program, and infrastructures are in place, they can kind of help. They can do. They can hold their own. Yeah, and by they the look way, the part. they look the part. So, hell yeah! But I asked me again in October because when families see all this infrastructure in place. And families know there's a clear plan that the man leading the plan is authentic. And then they see 4-0 or beating Texas 42-6 to at half and mm. and uh, the stadium's already half empty. You know, they're going to want to be a part of that. There's going to be a lot of justification to say they're winning, check. Infrastructure in place, check. My son's going to come back. A man, check. Oh, and, you know, four of their guys are going to the league. 
this is a great alternative for the people who live in this area of the country, Missouri, Kansas City, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, West Arkansas, right? Those those families are going to say, I don't have to send my kid to Bama, Cali, West Coast. I don't have to send my kid all the way to the deep southeast to get the same you know, potential outcomes um, that I want for my family. I can send my kids to Oklahoma. Is there anything else you would like to bring up just in wrapping up recruiting for the month of July and 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 what's what's ahead if you were just going to kind of put kind of kind of put a button on what's done and and what is left is there any specific area just from a more of a numbers standpoint where you where you see guys is there any specific side of the ball that you want to see OU shore up in this recruiting cycle, and we'll kind of leave it at that. Uh, what, what if any, are, are are those specific spots before we hit signing day? Yes, we need a, we need we need one or two, three techniques. By the way, I also think I'm looking at all the kids who are still recruiting at strong side DN, and again, I think this is philosophy. I firmly believe BV's kind of the same thing he's did with Lewis Carter. I think he's doing with with strong side DNs. We've got some strong side DNs. We're looking at that are like 260, 255. And I think it's smart to say, well, we'd love to have a 6'3, 262-pound DN with long arms who can come off the edge and and, and beat up on a, a tight end or beat up on a right tackle and, and go get the quarterback. But if not, we'll spin him down to D tackle. And, and let them play the three technique and give hell to us, you know, the center guard gap, right? So I'm looking at what we recruited so far and then what we have on the table. We've, we're still recruiting like two or three more strong side DNs. And, and of course, we got Hicks in the equation too. But we need to, to identify and solidify uh, the inside of our D-line. Um, I think we need, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the kid coming in on Saturday who's uh, from Florida who... Yeah. By the way, Bama just picked up another DB today. So hopefully they're responding to the fact that he's coming to see us Saturday and they think that he's going to commit to us. That would be freaking awesome. Because he, by the way, he's a stud. Uh, we'll talk about him next time around. He's the type of corner where you can line him up on the strong side of the field, um, backside and say, hey, dude, good luck. Have fun, right? And and you better look, you better play 10 on 10 because if you go his way, you might you might get your lunch money took. So we need we need to we need to we need to solidify the DBs corners especially. We've got a lot of safety nickel type guys, and even in the program, we need a couple more uh, corners in this cycle. We need a three technique in this cycle. I think we probably it wouldn't hurt to have another uh, swing tackle type offensive tackle in this cycle. Um, and then of course we got a couple of receivers that I'm extremely excited about, uh, Evans and Co, who will probably need to take minimum two more um to really fill out the class. And without having the 25 recruit minimum anymore, I think you need to you need to stretch that rule to capacity. I, I want us to err on the side of holy shit, we've got 85, but we really want this kid, you know, and we've got to figure it out. Even if it's a gray shirt, gray shirt is not a terrible thing in today's game with the portal. The a gray shirt is a level of commit, and that's a whole nother conversation too. Sure. But yeah. right, I don't think people get mad at Alabama's gray shirt philosophy. I don't, because you know why? 
they back it up with culture and proof of concept. I yeah. might be willing to gray shirt at Alabama and learn the program and get acclimated to the system and gain trust in relationships with the coaches and players. If I think I'm good enough to with one more year of development, get on the field and actually be a contributor. I wouldn't yeah. do that at Texas. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like that's, that wouldn't even be an option. So we, we look pretty good. We've, we've got the guys, um, uh, literally in our, in our, uh, in our sideline that we need to get. And, and to be honest with you, Barry, I'm having fun with, like a lot of unknowns this late in the season, but with a quiet level of confidence. I just remember these were the times of years and yesteryears recruiting cycles where we hoped we didn't lose a kid or we hoped someone else wasn't kind of breathing down our neck to take one of our guys. I don't yeah. I don't get that sense this year. I get the sense where like more guys are like, dang, I better hurry up and hop on. Otherwise, I'm going to miss my spot. So I'm mm -hmm. good. I feel good about it. Well, this was the time that the decommits would generally start rolling in. Exactly. Right. This was spring game would happen in April. There'd be a lot of momentum going into May. Um, it start to taper off around June. Uh, the, the barbecues believe thrown somewhere in that mix. So you get a little bit of a pickup from that, but July, man, I believe that's when we decommitted. I'm pretty sure it was in July. I think CD decommitted around July. It's just been far too common. And I also don't think you're going to get as many of the midnight decommitments as we've we've seen or guys just not knowing where a guy stands. I mean, that was so prevalent. Yeah. I mean, totally. that just did, guessing. And my issue with that, just thinking about things from a team standpoint or or thinking about an athlete I may be working with or someone I may be working with, if you are not 100% bought into what your decision is going to be, especially at that point, like what other data do you need the literally hours before signing day? At that point, I, I get that there's kind of the last minute uh, phone calls and, and that last minute push, but at a certain point, you have all your information, just buy in and make a decision. And if it is that hard, if your gut is telling you no, then, and granted, this is a whole nother conversation, but be respectful to that school and the people who devoted their time to, to showing you this love and appreciation, um, be willing to offer up a yes or no. Uh, but I, I think recruiting's looking good. Your outlook seems to, I bet, honestly, that's going to give a lot of people some hope. I, I, things have gotten more fun uh, around, so especially in July, because there was a lot of concern going up into this month. But man, I want to talk about that 42 to 6 Texas thing that you were bringing up. <laughs> okay, and here's here's why. Yeah, like you played in the 2000 game, right? Um you know what would have felt really good right after that game, right? You you guys got this thing done at halftime. You guys are, are cooking. Wolf folks catching fades in the end zone. Rockies pick six in it, right? You know what those guys would have loved right after that game? I, I'm, I'm intrigued. If you want to hear the rest of the conversation, make sure to tune in Sunday. Damien and myself are going to dive into what OU is doing from an infrastructure standpoint. 
some of the cool equipment they're bringing in, the things they're doing in the world of recovery, right up my alley, stuff I really enjoyed talking with Damien about. We cannot thank you all enough yet again for the massive support of the show. Please go leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Make sure that you follow our Instagram at the Barry and Mac Show. Twitter is at Barry and Mac S H W. We cannot wait to see you all again. We are out.